الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين استفى ما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم مخلصين له الدين وقال الله تعالى في ايه اخرى الا لله الدين الخالص سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون وسلاماً على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم to become the murad of Allah Ta'ala this is also viewed as the highest rank hmm? murad means in English that Allah Ta'ala loves that person Allah Ta'ala seeks out that person. That person is besought by Allah Ta'ala. That person is designed by Allah Ta'ala. That person is the murad of Allah Ta'ala. So it begins first that Allah Ta'ala made us his murad. Then he gave us hidayah. Hmm? Now when did Allah Ta'ala make us his murad? So this is an attribute of Allah Ta'ala. It's called the sifat of irada. And just like Allah Ta'ala has been around since past forever... His irada has been around since past forever. The mayyurid, it means that Allah Ta'ala for billions and billions and billions of infinite past years has always made us his murad. If any one of us had Islam, because Allah says in Quran, فَآلًا لِمَا يُرِيد He ultimately does what he wants and what he intends. So if me and you have Islam right now, it's not by chance. It's not because we chose Islam, even if a person is a convert or revert. No. It's because Allah Ta'ala made irada that He wanted us to have Islam. When did He make that? When we were 20? No. When we accepted Islam? No. When we were born? No. He made that irada in past, forever, in previous eternity. As long as Allah Ta'ala has been, and He has always been, as long as Allah Ta'ala has been, He has had irada individually for each and every one of us that we should be Muslim. Allahu Akbar so that Allah Ta'ala, who has made us his murad since past forever, can't we learn to obey that Allah Ta'ala? Can't we love that Allah Ta'ala? Let's look for future forever. For future forever, at Allah Ta'ala saying Qur'an, Wallahu yadu ila dar salam That Allah Ta'ala is inviting us to dar salam Allah Ta'ala wants us to go to akhirah, jannah, the abode of everlasting, never-ending, eternal peace. So it means Allah Ta'ala wants to make us his murad for future forever. So if Allah Ta'ala has already made us his morale for past forever, he wants us to be his morale for future forever, can't we make Allah Ta'ala our morale for 50, 60, 70 years of our life? Can't we give up anything and everything and love and desire and be attracted to that Allah Ta'ala who has been desiring us for billions of years and will keep desiring us for future forever? Look at this, this is the first word, just I told you in the ayah. First word, yurid. First thing that we got, we were the murad of Allah Ta'ala. Ayyahdiyahu. Then Allah Ta'ala, what He wanted to guide us. So if Allah Ta'ala has been wanting to guide us, sending a sifat of al-hadi hidayah on us forever, can't we follow that guidance for a few years of our life? Let's take to follow the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's a word like that in Quran, it's called muhtadun. Muhtadun comes from ihtida, hidayah means guidance, ihtida means to be guided by the guidance. 
to muhtadun are those believers who let themselves be guided by the hidayah. They give in to hidayah. They submit themselves to hidayah. They follow the hidayah of Allah SWT. Now our problem is, alhamdulillah, we have the hidayah. We all believe in hidayah. But we don't let ourselves be guided by hidayah. Can you imagine now somebody who is driving and they have this satellite navigation and they have a map and they have a friend who knows the direction but they choose not to let themselves be guided by the guidance. You say, what's the matter with you? If somebody doesn't have guidance and they make a wrong turn, they say, okay, they didn't have any guidance, they didn't have map, they didn't have a person who can give them directions, they didn't have the screen. You had all three? You had all three and you choose not to be guided by the guidance. But Allah always wished for us, He wanted to give us hidayah. And how much, and the third thing, yashrah sadrahu lil-islam. Not just put Islam. No, shada sadr. Allah Ta'ala expanded our breast and Allah Ta'ala implanted and engraved in our qalb, in our heart, every feeling of Islam. Allahu Akbar kabira. Hmm? Like today people fit the engine in the car and they smile, you know, it's good to go. Hmm? Allah Ta'ala fit this deen of Islam inside of us. Okay, imagine how much Allah has given to us. Hmm? Then, fourth thing, and whom Sarah Allah Ta'ala does this shara sabr, for who are Allah Nurim min Rabbihi. Now there are Nur, pure Nur, living in Nur, drowning in Nur, guided by Nur, in front of them Nur, behind them Nur, on the right Nur, on the left Nur, above them Nur, below them Nur. For who are Allah Nurim, not any just Nur, min Rabbihi, the Nur of the Rabb. Hmm? They become Nurani. They become Rabbani. They are a Murad of Allah SWT. That's what it means to be Muslim. Hmm? You understand what incredible ni'mah, what incredible blessing this is to be have this deen of Islam. And obviously, because Allah is perfect in everything He does, He's perfect in His being, His essence. He's perfect in His attributes. He's perfect in His actions. So when He said, أَكْأَلْتُلَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ And He said, دِينَ إِنْ دِلَّهِ الْإِسْلَامِ so it's the perfect deen. It's a perfection. Something of absolute wonder and perfection has been given to us. That is called Islam. But we don't value this Islam. And worse, we lost all of these things. We have lost that nur. We have lost that shara-sadr. Some of us were not answering to the hidayah. So what if we no longer remain the murad of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We took all these things for granted. Like Allah tells us in the Quran, وَمَا قَدَرَ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ They do not value Allah Ta'ala as He deserves to be valued. They do not esteem Allah Ta'ala as Allah Ta'ala deserves to be esteemed. Hmm? You know when this verse was revealed, one Sahabi, it's written in the books, one Sahabi took his sword out and he started walking in the streets and he said, where is that person due to whom my Allah Ta'ala had to say, وَمَا قَدَرَ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ Good thing me and you weren't alive at that time. Hmm? Good thing me and you weren't standing in that road. You would have found us. Hmm? Who are those people? You wanted to know, who is it that is not valued by Allah Ta'ala? Zahab. But look at his Imam. Hmm? Subhanallah. We haven't valued this shara sadr. Now, question is then, how to get this shara sadr back? How to get all of this back? It's doable. You can get all of this nur back. You can get the Shara Sadr back. You can get all the Hidayah back. We just have to return to our Asl. You have to return to this Iman and this Deen of Islam. So Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
was asked by Sahaba Kram about this verse. To Sahaba Kram they asked, that Nabi Kareem what does it mean? How does this happen? That his chest or his breast becomes expanded. To Nabi Kareem said, when this nur from Allah Ta'ala enters into their palm. It's a sahidi from the Jamir Imam Tirmidhantadai. When the nur enters into the talb, hmm? then in sharaha one fataha, then his breast will be expanded and his breast is cast wide open. Hmm? It means all about our heart. That's why we said shadr shadr means to have a heart. So then the Sahabi they respond. The Sahabi they said, "Kul now we asked the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, wa ma What's the sign that that nur has entered into that person's heart?" He said, First son, is that this person's heart now is always yearning towards the everlasting abode, always thinking about akhirah, missing akhirah, dreaming of akhirah, yearning for akhirah, all the time. So much as if you appear to you that he's not interested in this world. He's interested in something else altogether. You may have seen if somebody is about to travel, right, and you try to talk to him on the way to the airport. He's not interested anymore. He's going back home. He's flying away. You can't really talk to him. If you try to talk to him on the way to the airport about, oh, this city has this and this, he's finished, he's finished. He's on his way out. He's finished with everything. He's not interested in anything. You can tell him anything, the seven wonders that that city has, the best place that city has, the nicest masjid that city has. He's entirely uninterested. He's on his way to the airport. He's about to go. He's about to go completely uninterested in the place he's in and only interested in where he's going, this is the sign of the believer who had shed a sadr. This is our beginning. It began like this. We were supposed to have this as a beginning. That our entire heart and being was yearning for akhirah. Then second, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa said, And now the person is uninterested, is fed up is not at all attracted to Dawahurur. That's the abode of deception. That the life of this world is all just a delusion. It's just a whimsical fancy. It's just passing by. He's not interested in it at all. Oh, And then, That this person is ready for death before death comes to them. Allah Akbar. Can you imagine a person like that? How many of us can raise and say, I'm ready for the angel of death? Yeah, he hasn't come to me yet. I'm ready for him before he comes to me. Allah Akbar. Hmm? We are terrified of dying. Hmm? We are terrified of dying. If I said to anybody here, you'll be gone by Isha. Who says they're ready? Hmm? Who has this? Allah Akbar. This reminds me, and we keep telling you this, our beloved Hazrat Dhamdu Rakatum al-Aliyah. Hmm? He says a beautiful thing. We told you last time in Lakefield also. Hmm? What does he say? Listen carefully with your heart. He says that we have not been sent to this world to live a good life. We have not been sent to this world to live a good life. We have been sent to this world to die a good death. Allah Akbar. Ajib. It changes the whole perspective. Otherwise, most people think I'm here to live a good life and also be a good Muslim. Right? I'm here to lead a good life within the halal. You have an attitude, that's not even the purpose. The purpose is not to lead a good life within halal. That's not why we were given existence. That's not why we were given life. Even that's not the purpose. 
You've been sent to this world to die a good death. Allahu Akbar. Now many people may lead a good life. How many are going to die a good death? Hmm? If I ask you, are leading a good life tonight? 90% of you said, Alhamdulillah, I'm leading a very good life. Tonight, right now, tonight, I'm leading a good life. If I ask you, you can die a good death tonight? You say, no, 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 I can't die a good death tonight. I can't do that. Hmm? You don't miss the purpose of life. <laughs> Purpose of life, die with death. Purpose of life is not lead a good life. It doesn't mean you try to live a bad life. You live a life, you may be happy, you may be comfortable, you may have joys, you may have children, you may have bounties and blessings. That's the fuzzle of Allah But our goal is to die a good death. Then some people have another delusion, especially those who are 50 years and older. They get 60 years and older and 70 years and older, they get more deluded. They get this delusion that I'm worried. What? I am worried that what will happen to my children after I die. I am worried what will happen to my children after I die. It means I'm worried what type of life my children will have after I die. So Sheikh says, no, you should change the sentence. Don't say that I'm worried about what will happen to my children after I die. You should say, I'm worried what will happen to my children after they die. I'm not worried about their life. I'm worried about their afterlife. I'm in my 60s and my 70s and I have thicker and I'm going to be going away from the world soon. I don't know if I can do any more tarbiyat of my children. My children are 40 now. I'm not worried, I'm not saying me, but the person would say, my children are 40 now. I'm not worried so much now what's going to happen the rest of their life. I'm worried what's going to happen to them after they die. What's going to happen to them in their afterlife. That's the thicker a parent should have. Now can you imagine the parent Ahumba had the thicker for the children's life at the correct time when they were baby, toddler, infant, young, teens, 20s, but now the children in the 40s, you in your 60s and 70s, and still you have that thicker. When will you start having thicker for your children? And what's going to happen to my children after they die? What's going to happen to my children in their afterlife? Why are you worried what's going to happen to them after my life? Hmm? It's real thicker. So this is the thicker akhirah. This is what Nabi Akareem sallallahu was saying. This is called Shadda Sadr. This is our deen of us saying in the Quran. This is basic Islam. This is what we're supposed to have. I think this much is clear by now. So the question is then how to get this Shadda Sadr back. So there are few things that a person can do to get this Shadda Sadr back. First thing is Iman. You may be thinking we already have Iman. No, no. We don't have real Iman. Deep Iman. Strong Iman. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu aminu billahi wa rasoolih that, oh, you have Iman, have Iman. Oh, you have basic Iman, have real Iman. Oh, you have started the journey of Iman, finished the journey of Iman. Would Allah Ta'ala and Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam have Iman in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala deeply and in Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam deeply? What does this mean? So I'll give you an example. There's a level of Iman that's called Yaqeen. Yaqeen means to have absolute, certain, deep faith and conviction. Then even in our deen, in Quran and Sunnah, there are these words which are levels of yaqeen. So it's called ilmul yaqeen, then above that is aynul yaqeen, and above that is haqqul yaqeen. Ilmul yaqeen, aynul yaqeen, then haqqul yaqeen. means to know something with certainty, to observe something with certainty, and to experience something with certainty. So we give you a very simple example. If you're sitting with somebody and they say, okay, I'm going to go into the kitchen and bring you tea. 
I'm going to go to the kitchen and bring you hot tea. If they're a reliable, truthful person, you're sitting with them, they go in the kitchen, you get immediately and you're certain that they're going to come out with tea. You get certain knowledge that they've gone to bring hot tea. Okay? Then they come out. When they come out with the tray and you see the hot tea and the steam is rising from the cup and saucer, you get Enul Yakin. Now you have seen with Yakin that they did indeed bring hot tea. Third, then when they put it in front of you and you lift the cup up and you drink it, then you get Hakul Yakin, then you actually experience the reality that indeed this is hot tea. Alright. This is called real Iman, is to have Yakin. Now why did I say we don't really have Iman yet? So let me take some basics of Iman. We even tell our first grade children, well, that Allah Ta'ala is all seeing, He's Al-Basir, Allah Ta'ala is all listening, He's Al-Samir, Allah Ta'ala is all aware, He's Al-Khabir, Allah Ta'ala is all knowing, He's Al-Aleem, right? When you may say that, it's our Aqeedah, it's not our Iman. Look at my head, it's our Aqeedah, it's not our Iman. We believe that Allah does like that, but we don't behave like Allah does like that. Iman means to behave. <laughs> Aqidah means to believe. You understand? How many of us can say, look, if you really believed that Allah Ta'ala was as-sami, He heard everything, believe me, it would be difficult to talk. <laughs> you would find it difficult to speak if you were completely had yaqeen. Even if, even if you had ilm al-yaqeen, even if at first level of yaqeen. Even if you had ilm al-yaqeen that Allah Ta'ala is as-sami' you would find it difficult to speak generally. And then some of the things we say, we would never be able to say them. Never. We don't think. Yaqeen in Iman means that every single time you speak, you are aware and conscious that Allah Ta'ala is as-sami' first and you speak second. That's called Iman. I mean, you don't have this type of Iman. We tell our children Allah Ta'ala is all hearing. We don't even ourselves behave as Allah Ta'ala is all hearing. Hmm? We haven't gone down that first grade. Just, just for us information that Allah Ta'ala is as-sami. It's not our life isn't lived according that way. Just like that, if we really felt that Allah Ta'ala is al-basir, that He's looking at us. Hmm? Imagine, every second you actually felt you were under surveillance. It would change your behavior. It would change everything you do. Whether you're in public or whether you're in private. But we don't, we believe, no doubt. It's Aqidah that Allah is al-Basir. Nobody doubts that. I know you all believe that. But when are we going to live our life and behave like that? <coughs> I'll give you an example of Yaqeen. The surveillance camera in the shop. Hmm? So you go in the shop and you see surveillance camera. You behave differently. You behave differently. Why? Because you have this Yaqeen. That I'm under surveillance. I'm being watched. Hmm? Once we were in Norway with a friend, he was driving us, and he was driving in a strange way, but fast and then slowing down, and then again fast and then slowing down, and then again fast and then slowing down. So I asked him, you know, why are you driving like this? And he pointed out something which otherwise was hidden from me. He says, these are speed cameras. And so I'm going fast, and I'm going above the speed limit, and then when the camera comes, I slow down. And then again I go fast, and then again I slow down. I said, Ya Allah, <laughs> look at this. The camera is al-basir. He has yakin in that. It's not akida. He has such yakin that the second he's in range of camera, he changes his whole behavior. Oh, me and you, we have more subservience to the cameras in the shop and the cameras in the road. We believe they're al-basir and we don't believe that Allah is truly al-basir. 
It hasn't affected us. That doesn't affect us. Allah Ta'ala's camera on us hasn't affected us. The cameras of the world were able to change our life. Hmm? We have weak, such weak imam. More imam, more affected by the mechanical cameras of the world. Less affected by Allah Ta'ala being al-Basir. Hmm? And you know how close Allah looks at us. Allah Ta'ala used an interesting word to describe this in Quran, Mirsad. That Allah Ta'ala, your rub is Mirsad with you. What does Mirsad mean? Mirsad in Arabic refers to the predator, the way the predator looks at their prey right a second before the kill. Whether it's an animal predator, human predator, we call hunter. So right before, when you have it in your sights, right before you let go, the intensity with which you look at the target, that's called Mirsad. What does it mean? It means we're always in the scope of Allah Ta'ala. We're always in the target scope of Allah Ta'ala. That's how intensely Allah Ta'ala is looking at us and watching us. Hmm? I mean, you are oblivious. <laughs> you act as if there's no being higher authority looking at us and there's no higher being authority listening to us. So that's my first step to get this Shara Sadr back is Iman. Iman. And Al-Khabir, Al-Awair, Al-Awair. Right? But again, we don't think like that. So when we sin, what do we try to do? When we sin, we make every effort that no one should be aware that I sinned. First, we make sure to do sin in privacy, behind closed doors. Then we try to cover it up. All of our efforts is that so no one should be aware that I sinned. Hmm? No one. Atabin Abi Rabbar, great from Atabin, used to say, that, oh friend, when you make the irada, you have the intent to sin, and you want that no one should be aware of you. So you close the doors, and you draw the curtains, and you erase the histories, and you delete the records from which creation could be aware of your sin. Oh friend, from all of those who are aware of your sin, is it only Allah Ta'ala that you hold in no regard whatsoever, that it's okay that He can be aware of your sin? When you say no one should be aware of your sin, is it only the one Al-Ahad that it's okay for you if that one is aware of your sin? Hmm? That you do it alone. Hmm? No one could know. Huh? If no one could know, that one knew. Hmm? We tell our friends that there's no such thing as being alone. There's no such, you are never alone. Alone means simply that you are one on one with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's all being alone is. You and Allah Ta'ala one-on-one. It's scary. As <laughs> Allah said in Quran, مَنْ خَشْيَ الرَّحْمَانَ بِالْغَيْبِ That those who fear the all-merciful Allah Ta'ala, بِالْغَيْبِ When they're alone, they feel fear. They feel fear. Hmm? This is called Iman. That's why it begins in Quran, أَلَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ They believe in the unseen Allah Ta'ala. They have yateen. Even the word, it's called taking shahada. Shahada doesn't mean unseen. Shahada is from mushahada. Shahada means seen. That's what they're saying, yes. Your first step in iman is to believe me with such a level of yakin as if you were seeing me. Call it shahada. Don't call it iman bil ghayb, the act of adopting iman. Call it shahada. That you have such a belief in Allah Ta'ala as if it's mushahada, as if you see Allah Ta'ala. This is called iman. Allahu Akbar. So first thing we have to do to get this shara sadr back is to get this 
Iman. Get the azmat of Allah Ta'ala in our heart. Iman in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and all of His sifat and all of His attributes. If we can truly get this Iman, then we get the shara sadar, we get the nur from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So that's the first thing. Alright. Give you another example. Sheikh Saudi Ramtale, he was a Persian writer and he wrote works of poetry and prose so that people would learn about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So traditionally, although it's no longer the case anymore, but in traditional Dalums when they used to teach Persian, so he used to teach his work Gulistan. Gulistan is Sali. Alright. In that he has a beautiful story about himself. He says, once I was a child and my mom gave me a gold ring. I was young and I went outside and I used to wear this gold ring. And one day I encountered a person who was actually a thief. And he saw me and I was just a child and I had a gold ring. So what that thief did, he took out from his pocket a candy. And he said, that, oh boy, come here. So I went there and he had a candy. He said, taste this candy. And I tasted it and it was very sweet. And he said, you see that ring on your finger? I said, yes. He said, taste your ring. So I tasted my ring. It wasn't sweet. So I said, young boy, would you like to give me what is not sweet and take from me what is sweet? I said, yes. I took off my gold ring. I gave it to him and he gave me the candy. <laughs> I traded my gold ring for the candy. So Sheikh Saadi Ramadan, what he meant by this was that the gold ring is your imam and the candy is the pleasures of this world. And we're willing to give the gold and permanent, metal is permanent, the gold and the permanency of that iman that is wrapped around our heart. We're willing to give that away just to taste a candy that only we can suck on for a few seconds of our life. Hmm? Imagine, he gave such a beautiful example. It's exactly what we do. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say? Al-haya'u iman. Haya is iman. Al-haya'u shu'batun minul iman. Haya is a branch of iman. Or Imam Bukhari is sahih, he had to make a whole bab, a whole chapter gathering the hadith, that haya equals iman, and iman equals haya. And when we give away our haya, when we compromise on our haya, when we lapse on our haya, it means we're giving away our iman. Hmm? And people have this problem. Hmm? They take the candies of the world, they want to look at the beauties of the world, and they lose the beauty of their iman. Hmm? They spoil their iman to look at some beauty. Stranger beauty, unknown beauty, passerby beauty. Allahu hmm? Akbar. Strange. Very strange. Hmm? So we have to value our iman. We have to have all the sifat of our iman. We have to have the haya in our iman. Otherwise we will never get the shara sadr. Iman is the most precious thing to us. There is nothing more precious to us than Iman. You see, if you want to know how precious something is to you, you have to see what would you be willing to sacrifice for it. For example, our health is very precious to us. For people, their money is precious to them also. But if it came to choosing between the two, you would be willing to sacrifice your money for health. If may Allah Ta'ala keep all of us in good health always. But if Allah Ta'ala afflicted us with some illness and disease, and the cure for that was all our money. We'd give it. All of us would give it. We said, what can we do? 
We, although that money is dear to us, although we worked hard for it, although we have needs for it, but we'd be willing to sacrifice all that money for our health. So that shows us that health is more valuable to us than our imam. Okay? Our life. There's something even more precious to us than our life. That's our izzah. That's our honor. If one of the women folk in our family were threatened, and in order to save her honor, we'd have to give our life, you'd give your life. You'd be willing to sacrifice your life to preserve the honor and dignity and sanctity and chastity of a woman. Right? So what is it? Otherwise your life is very precious to you. Right? But if it comes to this choice, we're willing to sacrifice our life for that izzah. So money is less precious than health, life. Life is less precious than izzah. And for the sake of our iman, we should be willing to sacrifice anything and everything that we have. Anything and everything. Somebody wants to taunt us, no problem. We won't give up iman. Somebody wants to degrade us, no problem. We won't give up iman. Or Sahaba Kram, somebody wanted to torture them, no problem. They wouldn't give up their iman. They wouldn't, they wouldn't look for their izzat. They would stick to their iman. They could sacrifice their life for iman. They sacrificed their money for iman. They could sacrifice anything for their iman. So that means iman is the single most valuable and precious thing to us. Our iman is the single most valuable and precious thing to us. So if we get this iman back, then we will have sharasadr. And until we nurture this iman, get all the attributes of mu'mineen, do everything Allah Ta'ala says in Quran when He says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, we won't have sharasadr. We won't have hidayah. And until we have this, nothing is going to change in the world. Nothing will change. Mu'mineen, you see, Allah Ta'ala treats believers and non-believers differently. Let me explain to you very clearly. Non-believers, Allah Ta'ala has put a lower bar for them. Let me give you an example. You need to understand this very clearly because a lot of people in Ummah have this misunderstanding. Let's say, for example, I teach a class at the university and I have students who are doing their BA, they're in my class. And I also have some students who are doing their MA, they're also in my class. Okay. The lecture will be the same. But the kind of assignment I take from the BA students will be lower. And the one I expect from the MA students will be higher. It means I will hold them to a higher standard for success in the course. For the BA student to get an A in the course will be easier. For the MA student to get the same A, the same grade, will be harder. I will require more of them. Just like that in success in this dunya, Allah Ta'ala holds the non-believers to a lower standard and Allah Ta'ala holds the believers to a higher standard. Non-believers, if they want success in the dunya, they don't have to have iman. No need for that. To have success in the dunya, I'm not talking about akhirah. To have success in the dunya, they have to have akhlaq, adab, and adl. They have to be just and fair and honest and truthful. They have to have hukukul ibad. That's the standard Allah has kept for them. If they have a kukul ibad, Allah will make them successful in the dunya. But because they don't have a kukullah or iman billah, they will have no success in akhirah. For the believer, Allah holds them to a higher standard, not just akhirah. If the believers, if the ummah want to have success in this world, they also have to have that. They have to bring that condition also. They have to have truth and honesty and justice and fairness in all dealings. They also have to have a kukul ibad. Plus, they also have to be true in their iman. And until and unless they're true in their iman, Allah Ta'ala will never give them success in this world.
So all the protesting and all the rioting, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. And I'll be very clear about this. You can have a hundred thousand people march. You can have a million people march. It's not going to change one single thing. Because we're believers. Allah is only going to change anything for us when we fix our iman. Now I have no problem if you want to have hundred thousand people march. In, but your need to change. You should not think that this march will change anything. You're deluded. You should just think that we need to express our resentment or express our disapproval about this. That's a teaching of the Prophet. That's a type of Nahin Munkar. That if you can't change it by action, you should condemn it with your tongue. No problem. But you should realize that's all it is. It will not change any single thing. It has no value to those people whatsoever. It will not benefit the people there whatsoever. It is just our expression of our disapproval. That's it. If we want to go beyond by expressing our disapproval and actually see a change in the condition of the Ummah, that will only happen when we change the condition of our Iman and we lift up the condition of our Iman. Otherwise, nothing will change. It should be clear. Alright? So it means we have to work on our Iman. The last thing we're going to tell you tonight then is a story. A story of even if you have a drop of Iman, it can, you can be saved. Yes, even one drop of Iman can be enough to save a person. Allah Akbar. So we have a real story from a real person from our time when we were in America. So, this is a story of before 2001. Not that it makes a difference, but I just wanted you to know. It's a story from the 1990s. And it's a story from near Washington, D.C. and the suburbs of D.C. called Virginia. So there was a person who came from Pakistan, young man, must have been his mid-twenties, who came from Pakistan to America. And he had studied earlier in the university and he got a very good job. Good corporate job, right? Okay. He was working. But he had no parents, no family in America, no cousins, nothing. So you would see him in the masjid. He would come to the masjid. He would talk to the people in the masjid, socialize with the community in the masjid. He would come for Eid gatherings. He would come to the social gatherings in the masjid as well. And one day, he just disappeared. You just never saw him again. In those days, we didn't have cell phones and email and WhatsApp that you call. SMS, the guy and asking where he is. That wasn't that age. If he doesn't come, he's gone. Right? We didn't see him. He showed up five, six years later again. Five, six years later again. And he just came as if everything was fine, just as if nothing happened. Right? So, people, our friends and others, were curious. Where have you been? Right? So they asked him. So he told his story. So I want to share his story with you. Then you will realize how we must value this Imam. His story was as follows. He says, look, I came here to the country. I was on deen, I was praying, I did come to masjid, etc. But because I was a young man, and alhamdulillah, I had completed my education, and alhamdulillah, I had a good job, so I really wanted to get married. But I had no family here, no one to find somebody for me. I didn't know what to do. So what happened that while I was working, I had a white Christian American girl, colleague of mine, and she had been very nice to me, showed me the ropes at work, had guided me, helped me. So I started, and she was very pretty. So I started liking her, and she started liking me. And I started liking her more, and she started liking her more. So I did the right thing. I went to her parents. I told her of my feelings, and she said, you have to meet my parents. 
And she said, my parents are very religious Christians. I said, no problem, I want to do the right thing. So I said, I went to her parents. It's not the right thing in Sharia, but he meant the right thing at least morally. He wasn't being very crude and didn't engage in the haram relationship with her, right? So he went to the parents, and he went to the parents, and they were stunned that you're a Pakistani Muslim immigrant in this country, and you want to marry our nice, white, beautiful Christian girl. He said, yes, right? Now, it took some time. He says the girl also worked on her parents. I also kept meeting them, kept meeting them. So one day they said, okay. We're willing to give our daughter's hand to you in marriage, but we have a few conditions. He said, what? He said, number one condition. You can never go to your place of worship again. Number two condition. You can never meet any of your fellow religionists, any Muslimin, again. Allahu Akbar. Number three condition. You will come with us every Sunday to church. If you accept these three conditions, they didn't say convert, but they said this. You have to come every Sunday with us to church. If you accept these three conditions, we will give you our daughter in marriage. He said, look, I was young. I really, I had fallen in love with her. I, she was everything I wanted. I needed to get married. I told them, yes, no problem. No hukmar. He said, yes, they got married. He said, that's why you never saw me again in the masjid. That's why I never met any of you again. And I used to go with them every Sunday to the church. I used to sit there. But he said, Alhamdulillah, I never converted, I never accepted their religion. I never lost my imam. I never let go of my imam. But I wasn't doing any ibadat at all. No fasting, no praying, no dua, nothing at all. No single one amal at all. Just holding on to one drop of imam. He says, what I did, one thing I used to do. What was that? That I had a copy of Quran and there was a bookshelf in our living room and I put it on the top of bookshelf, top shelf. And every day when I would go out to work, go to the door to leave for work, I would pass through the living room and I would look at that copy of Quran. And I would remind myself. And I would reprimand myself. I would scold myself. Then look what you've done. You've let go of your deen. And I would go to work. And every day when I would come back to work, I would open the door of my home and I would look at that copy of Quran and remind myself and then the rest of it. That's it. That's the only drop of Iman I had. Nothing else could even remotely resemble anything to do with Iman, Islam in my life. Then he says, one day I came home from work and like I normally do, I opened the door, looked at the top shelf and the copy of Quran was no longer there. The book was missing. I was surprised. But where is it? I sat down, met my wife, and I asked my wife that, you know, there is a book of mine that normally is there. I don't see it there anymore. She said, yes, it's not there anymore. He said, where is it? And she said that today when you were at work, I decided to do spring cleaning. And I decided to throw out all the junk and the clutter, all the things that we don't use. And I went through the books also, and all the books that I never read and you never read, Bahagma, all the books that I never read and you never read, I just took them all off the shelf and put them in the trash. He said, Ya Allah, you put that book in the trash? Huh? She said, yes. I quickly went to the garbage bin. I went through all of the garbage that was there and I found a copy of Quran and I picked up a copy of Quran and it was sold now. It was stained now. It had been in garbage bin. I was looking at my copy of Quran and I couldn't believe it in my eyes. So I clasped the copy of Quran to my heart. I was kissing copy of Quran and all the time my wife was watching me. And then when I was done and I was recovered and my tears had come out, 
My wife, she told me, I've been watching you. I noticed that you look at this book. And this is your religious book. And you forgot the conditions you accepted when you married me. And just now also I've seen the love you are showing and the tears you are crying over this book. So she told him that, look, this book is going back in the trash. Either this book stays in the house or I stay in the house. So he said that I looked at my copy of Quran and I looked at my wife. And I looked at Quran and I looked at the stains in the Quran and I raised up my head and I told her, you want to stay in this house, you want to leave this house, that's your choice, this book will never leave this house. Allahu Akbar. He had Iman, just this was one drop of Iman that he looked at Quran. Hmm? He said, this book will never leave this house. He said, she left me, we are divorced, and now I'm back in Masjid. Now look how far a journey he made. Huh? How close he came to falling off the cliff. Hmm? He accepted condition, I won't go to my house of worship. He accepted condition, I won't meet fellow Muslimin. He accepted condition, I go every Sunday to church. But he did one, he held on to one drop of his love for Quran al hmm? And it saved him in the end. It saved him in the end. Hmm? This is called Imam. Now look, if one drop of Imam can have this redeeming effect, can have this saving effect, then can you imagine the power of the Imam that Allah Ta'ala gave us? For those of you who came late or you recited in the beginning, the power of that Imam that Allah Ta'ala said that you are my murad and I gave you Imam. The power of that Imam, Allah Ta'ala says, He put sharaf sabr, He expanded our breath for this Imam. The power of that Imam was like, gave you all of hidayah for that Imam. The power of that Imam, Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, فَهُوَ عَلَى النُورِ فَهُوَ عَلَى النُورِ مِنْ رَبِّهِ That this Muslim will be on a nur for their whole life from their Rabb. Can you imagine the power such an imam. Hmm? For me and you have to do qadr of this imam. We have to value our imam. Get our sharas of their back. Become true mu'mineen once again. The way to get this true imam back is to get the two master feelings of imam. First master feeling of imam. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّهُمْ That those who have imam they're intensely extreme in their love for Allah Ta'ala, extremely intense in their muhammah for Allah Ta'ala. And second master feeling of iman, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, there was al amanu, here again al amanu, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, dhkurullaha dhikran kathira. That oh you have iman, you must make a lot of zikr of Allah Ta'ala, make tremendous amounts of zikr of Allah Ta'ala, keep making zikr of Allah Ta'ala more and more and more. More. So this love for Allah Ta'ala and the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, these are the two master core feelings of Imam. If we can learn to get these feelings back in our heart, then we will get that shara sadr, then everything in deen becomes easy, then we get kalbun salim, then we get nafs mutma'inna, then we're content on deen. This is what our mashayikh and awliya, they teach us. They teach us how to have love for Allah Ta'ala and they teach us how to make the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. Once a person has those core ingredients, then Allah Ta'ala accepts them for every khidmat of deen. Allah Ta'ala may accept them for ilm. Allah Ta'ala may accept them for fatwa. Allah Ta'ala can accept them for dawah. Allah Ta'ala can accept them for humanitarian work. Or Allah Ta'ala can accept them for every single thing when they have the core feelings of iman in their heart. 
when they have that love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have that zikr of Allah ta'ala, may Allah ta'ala join each and every one of us to the path of love and the path of his lovers, may he join us to this path of zikr, may he make us amongst his zakirin mu'mineen, from his muhibbeen mu'mineen, wa akhir da'wana, and alhamdulillah before we make zik- before we make dua, we're going to teach you some zikr. We're going to teach you some zikr, so that you know how to begin this path, if you so wish, how you can get this nur of the iman back into our heart. Look what happens when you make zikr. Allah says in Quran, "Fadkuruni Allah says, "You make zikr of me. I, Allah, will make zikr of you." Allah Akbar. Now imagine if we say I don't have time for zikr. What does it mean? If you say, I don't have time for zikr, it doesn't mean you're saying, I don't have time to remember Allah. You're saying, I don't have time for Allah Ta'ala to remember me. I'm not interested in that. I didn't want to even sit for 10 minutes and Allah Ta'ala does zikr with me. Hmm? Allah Akbar. Strange. How could anybody say that? How could anybody think like that? Hmm? So we want to become dhakirin mu'mineen. Our mashayikh made a very simple five-step process that a person can begin their journey to become a member of Allah Ta'ala and a lover of Allah Ta'ala. Number one, every day we must recite Qur'an. Because if you're distant from Kitabullah, you will be distant from Allah Ta'ala. You saw in Ramadan, you were cleaved to Kitabullah, you were cleaved to Allah Ta'ala. If in Shawal you became bathed from Gitahabullah, you became bathed again from Allah Ta'ala. You became distant again from Book of Allah. You became distant again from Allah Ta'ala. Every day you have to read Quran. Every day. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen today. Some of us, we go days without reading Quran al-Kareem. Some people go weeks without reading Quran al-Kareem. Some people go months without reading Quran al-Kareem. I have had Hufaz come to me and tell me that months have gone by they didn't even read Quran al-Kareem. Hufaz didn't even read Quran al-Kareem. South African Hufaz. Let me be blunt. (laughs) No American Hafiz can tell me that. No Arab Hafiz can ever tell me that. No Pakistani Hafiz can ever talk like that. South African Hafiz talks like that. And may I also explain to you openly, clearly, is must, I feel this must, and that I put in my heart to say to you, people of Banoni, that don't think your job on earth is to make your son a Hafiz. Your job on earth is to make your son Saleh, to make your son Muttaki, to make your son Wali. And there's so many Ghair Saleh Hufaz in this country. Ghair Saleh, non-pious Hafiz. Non-pious Hafiz is not going to be saved by Allah on their judgment. Pious non-Hafiz is going to go to Jannah. The Saleh Ghair Hafiz is infinitely more valuable than the Ghair Saleh Hafiz. How many people have come to me to make dua my son becomes Hafiz? Not even 100 of those people come. Not even the same one saying the same sentence, make my dua my son becomes Muttaki. I tell them every time I say, don't make dua your son becomes Hafiz. I make five duas for you. Okay, and then I'll tell you if you want later. I never make this dua alone. Never will I make ever a dua for someone just to become Hafiz. Just Hafiz is destroying this Ummah. Those boys who are just Hafiz are staying on this Ummah. No, Hifs plus Taqwa, Hifs plus Wilaya, Hifs plus Amal. And if you spend so much effort making them Hafiz, if it was up to me, really, I'd be very blunt with you. I said, I closed down all the Hifs mother says, and I would reopen them according to the following condition. And we will only make your child Hafiz if you promise you want to make him Muttaki first. First we're going to teach him Sunnah and Taqwa and Wilaya. And when he passes all of those subjects, then I'll teach him Hifs. 
I'm more than happy to teach him his. First he has to pass those subjects. Because we can't trust two people anymore. It would have been fine to teach him his first and teach him. I have no problem with that to do But I don't trust this community anymore. You have shown over and over and over again that if we make your kids hafiz, you're not interested in them following sunnah. You're not interested in them having taqwa. You're not interested in them getting wilaya. You've lost my trust. I can't do it anymore. I would say I won't do it. Never would I make your child a hafiz. Never. Until he gets sunnah and taqwa and wilaya first. I'm very, I'm very stern that way. Are you lucky I don't live here? Yeah? You're lucky I don't live here. Hmm. Tell them, if you can't do it as sternly as I said, something should be occurring to you. Why can't you see it? I'm a visitor, I see this. How many non-Saleh Hufas you have? You live here, can't you see it? And you should never put a non-Saleh Hufas in the Musalla. No way. The right to lead Taraweeh in Ramadan is not just because you did hits. The most muttaqi person, the most muttabi sunnah person, the greatest wali in your community, who is Hafiz, he should lead Taraweeh. You want to encourage your kids? You didn't encourage your kids all 11 months of the year to have taqwa? You want me to encourage them by praying taraweeh behind them? It's ridiculous. Don't accept it. What type of encouragement is that? That's nifaq. That's hypocrisy. I'm sorry to be blunt. I'm happy to pray behind any 19-year-old who you encourage all 11 months to be a solid 19-year-old. I love to pray behind that half of 19-year-old. You let him do anything you want for 11 months and you say nothing? And you want me to be the mystic for his practicing, his memorization of Qur'an? It's wrong. And you know, Taraweeh is a great experience. You miss it in South Africa. Because you haven't prayed Taraweeh. If you pray Taraweeh by one Imam, and he's a wali Imam, and a wali alim muttaki hafiz, just you don't have to even understand Arabic, but Taraweeh will blow your Imam away. And praying behind ghair alim, ghair wali hafiz, ghair salih hafiz, it's not affecting the community at all. You see, I prayed in so many Tarawis now when I came in Ramadan. It doesn't affect you at all. It's just so happy when the Hafiz who recites the fastest, you can see Bashasat comes in them. They get happy. They get fresh when the faster one recites. I felt it. I feel what happens to you in your Tarawi. You totally misunderstood the concept of Tarawi in Jamal. Totally misunderstood it. All of you are not saying, Yar, I'm addressing the whole country right now. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm doing it. I don't know why I'm going to put this in my heart in Biruni Masjid. I don't know anything about this Masjid. I have no idea. Wallahi, I have no idea who leads Tanawi here. I'm not, I have no, I'm not, Nauzubillah, doing ghibat on anyone that they're not Saleh. But I'm telling you, as a country, it's a phenomenon, observable fact that they are ghair alim, ghair mutaki, hufaz, leading Tanawi. And sometimes it's even said, no, we need to, this was said to me once, we need to encourage him because he's slipping from deen. I said, oh, I'm all for encouraging him. But this is encouraging, you're deluding him further. You're making him think just if is his salvation. You're deluding him by think this is not encouragement. This is deluding them further. This is a greater mistake that you're making. You're pushing him further in delusion. Allah I apologize if I offended anybody. So I was telling you that the five step method of zikr and honestly, it's not, it's not targeted anyway, this particular masjid. There will be many masjids and many imams who are exclusion to this. There are definitely Salih Hufaz in this country. And there have definitely been Salih Hufaz who have led Tarawi Salah. But I'm just telling you, that's what you have to look for. And the ones who aren't Salih, you need to work on them all 11 months. Make them Salih, we love that you reward them. Reward them for 11 months of taqwa by giving them the imamat of Tarawi. That's how you should do it.
Alright? Okay. So first step there is to every day recite, I'm going to end up in trouble. So recite Quran al-Kareem. Recite Quran al-Kareem. Every day. Second, hundred times istighfar. Astaghfirullah al-Rabbi min kulli dhanbim wa atubu ilayhi. Every single day to make istighfar hundred times. Third, hundred times, Dirud Shreef Salawat on Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallam. These very three simple things. Very easy to understand. These are three zikrs of the tongue. These are the core zikrs of the tongue. Tilawati Quran, Istighfar, Dirud Shreef. Then I'm reciting two zikrs of the heart. This is called zikr Kalbi. One of them is also very easy to understand that you should remember Allah Ta'ala in your heart all the time. It's not easy to do, it's easy to understand. All the time you should be feeling feelings for Allah Ta'ala. If you're in the shop, in the factory, and that's why we were being trained in Ramadan. The zikr that we do in the masjid, it gets salam, but it doesn't have such a high value. High value is the zikr you do out there. Why? Because zikr is the local good of the masjid. <laughs> zikr is local to this market. When you find a local item and there's abundance of it, it sells very cheaply. But when you find something that's a rare item, hmm? An imported item, rare import, is very expensive. So zikr is the rare imported item in the shop, factory, clinic, workplace, university, school. So the zikr out there that you do will be beneficial. But people say, no, but how am I supposed to? I'm busy, I'm working. So no problem. Your tongue and body is engaged in the work of the world. Your kalb, your spiritual heart should keep remembering Allah Ta'ala. It's exactly what Allah Ta'ala said in Quran. That there are people that neither trade, commerce, buy and selling. Nothing can distract them from the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Akbar. Make it. That's all you have to do. <coughs> the easiest zikr. Zikr al-Kalbi. All you have to do is make intention that, Ya Allah, my heart is remembering you. That's it. Heart starts remembering. Because that's the nature of the kalb. Like the function of the eyes is to see, the function of the ears is to hear, the function of the kalb is to make zikr of Allah Ta'ala. You just have to make niyat. So before you start anything, Ya Allah, I'm going to be in shop for five hours, I make niyat, my heart will be remembering you. I'm about to drive, I make niyat, my heart will be remembering you. I'm about to go to sleep, I make niyat, my heart will be remembering you. Every time you do anything, you make this niyat, that Ya Allah, I'm going to do that activity, my heart will be remembering you. This is one way to do zikr al and the last way, and the last fifth and final way of doing zikr, is a special zikr al-kalbi. That in Arabic is called muraqabah. That means you want to, you can't do this all the time. This you can do 10, 15, 20 minutes of your free time. That's it, in the beginning. What is that? You want to remember Allah Ta'ala in a special way. How? You want to remember Allah Ta'ala in such a way that you forget everything else. Not while doing anything else not while driving, not while working, not while teaching, that you remember Allah Ta'ala to the exclusion of everything else. Like Allah Ta'ala said in Qur'an, فَإِذَا فَلَوْتَ فَنْسَمْ That when you become free, فَنْسَمْ Now turn to Allah Ta'ala with complete resolve, with complete steadfastness, وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ And turn to your Rabb in longing, in yearning, in missing. But to sit for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and make me a young now I want to remember you and forget everything else. So we close our eyes to forget the world, forget what we see. You close your thoughts to forget what you think. You ignore your heartbeat, pulse, breathing. Everything is ghadullah. You want only to remember Allah Ta'ala. Then a person says, okay, I need to focus on something. 
Make dhikr of the name of your Rabb. The name of our Rabb is Allah. This has barakah in it. Full of barakah is the name of your Rabb. So when we focus on the zikr of the name of our Rabb, Allah, we get the barakat of His name in our heart. The kalb is thirsty for the blessings of the name of Allah Ta'ala. All we have to do is make niyyah that our kalb is making zikr of Allah Ta'ala's name. That's it. And you just sit there for 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever you can. And you make the zikr called muraqabah. So these are the five methods of zikr our Mashaik teach. Alright? Those of you who don't have a shaykh, don't practice formal zikr, you should learn and practice zikr. Even our Mashaik used to say, okay, if you don't have a shaykh, you should make these tasbihs. But what they meant was, if you don't have a shaykh yet, you better get one. Until then, okay, I'll quickly give you two, three tasbihs to do. It doesn't mean, okay, for years you do those three tasbihs without a shaykh. Hmm? It's like telling the new Muslim, okay, if you haven't memorized Dua'i Qunut, you can recite this in Mithir Salah. It doesn't mean that for years you pray Mithir Salah without Dua'i Qunut. It means as a quick, fix, temporary, stop-gap measure, until you must immediately learn Dua'i Qunut, until you do so, you can recite this instead. So until you have shaykh and learn zikr and are guided in zikr, you can recite two or three tasbihs instead. You understand? Hmm. So we have to learn zikr. Some of you may already have a shaykh. Whatever zikr the shaykh tells you, you should do it. Go to them, talk to them about zikr. Don't just think having shaykh is just for barakah. No, shaykh is teacher of zikr. Become student of zikr. <laughs> you become a student, they'll teach you more. To learn. Use the zikr to purify your heart. Use the zikr to get the nafrat on your heart. And those of you who don't yet have shaykh, to alhamdulillah has blessed you, that in Banoni here we have Hazrat Shaykh Mawlana Musa. I just come here for sohbah, to be in your company, that you people have talab for Allah Ta'ala, so when you invite me, you should practice these five methods of zikr, and if you don't have shaykh, well, Benoni has a shaykh, and if you're in Benoni, you should sit with the shaykh. And you should go to weekly majlis in Masjid Bilal, you come to us 10 p.m. tonight, we'll teach you more, and you should simply just start zikr. There's nothing, no, no need to be hesitant. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing more to it than learning zikr, doing zikr, being guided in zikr, doing zikr better, learning more zikr, being more guided in zikr, doing zikr better. That's it. That's all that happens. All the time. That's it. Hmm? So tonight we want to make tawbah, we want to end the dua before Adam. Alright? So all of us should make a niyat and a heart, yeah, I want to make tawbah. I didn't value this iman. I didn't value the sharasa that you gave me. I didn't value the mood that you had put me on. I didn't value the feeling of love for you. I haven't done zikr of you as I should have. So we should make tawbah of this on this night. And we should make dua to Allah Ta'ala. And those who want to make niyyah, that they want to become students of zikr, they want to connect their hearts to our Messiah, you just make that niyyah in your heart, and you meet, and you learn, and you practice, and inshallah Allah Ta'ala will put you in. Thank you.
soften our tongues out of bikrini. Ya Allah, we came here, each and every one of us, only seeking your pleasure, only because we wanted to be closer to you. Ya Allah, before we rise from this gathering, Ya Allah, grant us your pleasure, Ya Allah. Gift us your pleasure, Ya Allah. You are our murad, Ya Allah. We want to be your lover, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill our heart with the true, intense passion of love for you. Fill our heart and our tongue and our mind with zikr of you. Ya Allah, we ask that you take out from our heart all the distractions, all the attractions, all the infatuations. Take out from our heart all the unlawful loves, the unlawful lust, the unlawful greed, the unlawful envy, the unlawful arrogance. Ya Rabbi purify our heart on this night. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you put in our heart the pure love for you, burning love for you, intense love for you, love for Qur'an al-Kareem, intense love for Qur'an al-Kareem, loving love for Qur'an al-Kareem. Ya Rabbi put in our heart a burning love for deen islam a love for our iman. Let us do qadr of this iman. Let us do qadr of our Islam. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Rabbi, you said in Qur'an that you would then shed a sadr on us. Ya Rabbi, we were undeniable, Ya Allah. We failed, Ya Allah. Ya Rabbi, ask that you give us another chance, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Send the nur of your hidayah on our heart again. Expand our breast for this deen again. Fill our heart with the feelings of Islam again. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us steadfast on deen. Strong in deen. Make us persevere in deen. Grant us every net of deen. Every bounty of deen. Grant us the feelings of deen. The feelings of iman. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi, make dua for all of the youth of this ummah. We make special dua for all of the hufaz of the ummah. Ya Allah, let us show our tender love and that to them. Let us be merciful and kind to them. Let us become guides to them. Let us be khuddam of them. Ya help them get the mood of that Qur'an. Help them get love for Qur'an. Help them live that Qur'an. Help them spread that Qur'an. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you send your extra special mercy on the youth of our ummah, those who may be distant from you, those who may have forgotten you. Ya Allah, introduce yourself to them. Introduce your love to them. Ya Rabbi Kareem, they too will become your lovers. They will become better lovers to you than us. Ya Rabbi Kareem, it is your karam, your fazl, Ya Allah. Make it widespread, Ya Rabbi Kareem. We are living in an age of fitna and fasab, fisk and fujur. Sin is widespread. Ghafla is widespread. Fashion, culture, media, society, technology, all of it is surrounding us. Ya Rabbi Kareem, but you are al-hadi, Ya Allah. Surround us with your hidayah. Surround us with your rahmah. Send your mood on our hearts again. Ya Rabbi, we want to be the mistaq of those words. Fahuwa al-nurim min rabbihi. Ya Rabbi, bring us back into that mood. Keep us forever on that mood. Raise us in the day of judgment in that mood. Ya Rabbi, join us with the people of mood. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Remember now to come by minna innaka anta al-samir al-aleem. Wa tubu alayna innaka anta al-tawabu al-raheem. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimeen. Amen.